"'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the home "'not a creature was stirring to draft Mac Jones. "'The chub lights were hung by the chimney with care "'in hopes that St. Cleveland would be good this year. "'The Rams fans were nestled all snug in their beds "'while visions of Stafford danced in their heads.' And Brady and Kerchief, Rogers and Scruff, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey hope that they are enough. Then, with a flash, football was back. Lamar Jackson and Kyler, Josh Allen and Dak. The games pile up, but the picture's not clear. Nobody wants to win MVP this year. Urban Meyer beat the Bills. The Lions beat Arizona. The Titans shut out the Chiefs. Everyone lost to Corona. Just when a team appears on a roll, they get shut out on primetime with a big lump of coal. Jonathan Taylor, five touchdowns. Eckler with four. We hollered and shouted and called out for more. Now Debo, now Connor, now Adams, Joe Mixon, on Andrews, on Diggs, on Justin Jefferson. Go it, go for it on fourth. Go for it again. Cooper Cup's open. Throw it to him. Micah Parsons in a pear tree. Miles Garrett in the fields. Travion Diggs interceptions. Aaron Donald will not yield. A green football field on a warm TV screen. A glass of Glenn Farkless, and I heard someone scream, Best wishes to your team as they try to take flight. Happy Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Muckle Teal Football Show, episode 38. This show is just football everything. NFL history, legacy, the ups and downs of a season, sprinklings of fantasy football. Follow us at MUK underscore football on Twitter. Subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. We have shows Monday after Monday Night Football and Thursday after Thursday Night Football. And today's main story, before we get into previewing some of the Week 16 games, just a, an update from a from an off-season episode I did, which was what single-season records are going to fall with this new 17-game schedule. You know, I predicted uh, a few of them and when they would fall if they would uh, if they would go uh, in the in this year or if it would be five years, if it would be a decade. Um, passing yards, I think, was one of the ones I said would go pretty quick. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to go this year. Pa- passing yards, Peyton Manning's record of 5,477 yards in 16 games. Somebody is going to break that because of the 17th game. But it appears to be safe for 2021. Tom Brady, he's more than 1,000 yards behind Peyton with three games to go. Not impossible. He'd have to average like 330 yards a game for the next three games. So, so he's in range. Tom Brady's in range. But see, that's the thing. That's the thing. He's got one more game, so we're not calibrating for that. It, this is going to be pretty easy to break, um, but especially with Godwin and Evans out, I, I don't think it's going to happen. The 214 last week really knocked him off the pace, and then uh, the other quarterbacks, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, they've all crossed the 4,000-yard mark, but not in realistic range of 5,477. So update on passing yards seems like it's going to be safe for a year here. 
rushing yards. I mean, obligatory check-in on the rushing yards. I don't get the rushing yards record. I mean, why do we feel the need to filter out receiving yards for running backs? Why do we punish a running back for catching the football and gaining yards that way? Why do we pretend like those yards didn't exist? Anyway, but for the old-fashioned handoffs-only crowd, Jonathan Taylor's at uh, 1,500 yards, and Eric Dickerson's record in 1984, 2,105 yards. That is safe, so the rushing record's not going to break. Yards of scrimmage record. The running back with the most yards from scrimmage is Chris Johnson, 2009 Tennessee Titan Chris Johnson, CJ2K. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is well behind him. He's about, uh, let's see, about 750 yards from breaking that record, uh, 700 yards. So he would need to average over 200 a game to be in range. So both Dickerson and CJ2K are quite safe. Passing record, rushing record, yards from scrimmage record. The extra game is not going to topple those. But why are we here? We're here to talk about the receiving yards. Because the receiving yards record, there is a red alert. Cooper Cup is on the Razor's pace to beat Calvin Johnson's 2012 record. Cup is averaging about 115 yards per game, and he would need about 116 yards in the next three games to pass Calvin Johnson. So it's doable. The matchup, at least in week 16, might get him a little bit of a buffer, quite favorable favorable against Minnesota. It's a storyline to watch. Um, you know, I'll say it again. If Cooper Cup gets 2,000 receiving yards in 17 games, that season will not be better than Calvin Johnson's season when he had 2,000 yards or 19,060, 1,960 in 16 games. Calvin Johnson's year will be better than Cooper Cup's year, but the record will be Cooper Cup's. I mean, we can't just asterisk everything. The record will be his, you know, because nobody's out here adjusting uh, 16 game seasons for Jim Brown all the time or or 70s Walter Payton, OJ Simpson. You know, nobody's ever been calling for for all the other records to be to be annotated or anything. So it's going to happen. But um, the other aspect of this that's interesting, the other storyline of this uh this Cooper Cup race towards the receiving yards record is that it's the same quarterback as Calvin Johnson. <laughs> Cooper Cup is receiving these passes from Matt Stafford, and Calvin Johnson was receiving the passes from Matt Stafford back in 2012, Detroit. Quite interesting. So will that motivate Stafford, or will that mean he maybe looks uh, looks Odell Beckham or Van Jefferson's way uh, just a couple times to make sure Calvin Johnson uh, uh, gets in there? We don't know. Only Stafford knows that right now. All right, let's get to let's preview some of the week sixteen here. We got four games, five games to talk about. Plenty that will change between this recording and the weekend, I'm sure, because the games are being affected by you know COVID and Omicron variant, uh, just um, symptoms and testings. And I mean, they're all in the locker room. It, it, there's a you know there's a lot of un. Um, unlike reviewable or unpreviewable aspects that may come up before the games but hey i'm just going to do with what we have now the only hope i mean 
I am worried about the season, but you know, the only hope is that that it's more mild, right? And and the NHL suspended their season, but basically only as long as a regular NFL week, so it's not as bad as it sounds. And they're planning to resume as a longtime Seattle Kraken fan. I'm saying release the Kraken. Um, let's start with the two Christmas Day games. I have I love a good Christmas Day game. Uh, you know, shout out to last year's Alvin Kamara. One red shoe, one green shoe, six touchdown day. Should have been seven. That was that was awesome. That was a great Christmas present for all of the Saints uh, or Alvin Kamara fantasy managers. One of the best Christmases they maybe ever got was pretty cool. I went looking back through, of course, just looking at date, you know, games that were played on Christmas Day. Um, there was a there was actually the aforementioned 2009 Chris Johnson that Titans year. He had a great fantasy day against Ladanian Tomlinson in his second to last game as a Charger. Both had big fantasy football days. So Chris Johnson, Ladanian Tomlinson, 2009 battle on Christmas Day was a good game. And then there was that uh, 2016 Ravens-Steelers classic, the final play in which Antonio Brown you know, was at the one-yard line and as he was being pulled back by a raven he just popped the ball over the goal line reached over and that uh, that eliminated the ravens from the playoffs that was an exciting play i remember watching that one so we've had some good christmas day games some good christmas fantasy days and some good christmas uh, uh drama so hoping for that we got two games cleveland uh, and green bay and then indianapolis at the at the arizona cardinals and starting with cleveland who they're back at the browns are back on the brink at seven and seven, and they're you know they're they can't cannot lose this, and the Packers are riding high. They're the only team to have clinched the playoffs, um, I believe. So I have to check. They're at least the only NFC team, or they were the first team uh, to clinch the playoffs. Um, the Browns have just they've got to steal one. They've they've got to win this game. They can't say, look, well we you know who, how what are we supposed to beat the Packers? Like, no, they're a game behind the whole AFC North, so it's possible to get back in, but the schedule doesn't get any easier. The Browns are playing uh, Pittsburgh in Week 17 and Cincinnati in Week 18, so, I mean, it's not easy skating. There's no Jets, Panthers on the schedule like the Buccaneers, Um, and the Packers won't be laying off. They won't be laying off because that number one seed is so valuable, and the Buccaneers are right there. Luckily, Green Bay has a tiebreaker over Arizona, so they're not really... Green Bay's feeling good about getting the number one seed over Arizona, but, I mean, this game, the Browns are not getting any respect. Green Bay is a seven-and-a-half favorite, which anytime it goes over seven, over a touchdown, you know that the betting odds are with the other team. I mean... That is because of the of the players that have been out. I mean, let's face it. We don't talk football games only anymore. We don't talk about football matchups. We also talk about infection rates because the playoffs and the, the end of this thing will frankly be populated by teams that shouldn't have made it. That wouldn't. I mean, it'll be different. It's going to be different football than it would have been because we have large chunks of players missing here and there at random anytime. It's true. I don't know what to tell you. That is true. That's happening. So, you know, the update for the Browns is that 
what will they have? Because <laughs> they had nothing versus the Raiders. They had mostly the, they had 22 players out, nine starters, plus Case Keenum, who would have been the starter, uh, the starting quarterback. So they went down to their third string quarterback, still almost beat the Raiders. Good news for the Browns is that most of their players are eligible to return, including Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, coach Kevin Stefanski is back, Jedrick Wills eligible to play, offensive linemen. So hopefully they, they have been symptom-free, feeling good, and get back into this game and maybe maybe give Cleveland a Christmas Day upset, upset that, uh, that surprises everybody and gets them right back in the talk here. If they win this game, they're 8-7, and seven, one of Baltimore and Cincinnati is certainly going to lose. They're playing each other, and uh, Pittsburgh's playing Kansas City. So Cleveland's got a chance. They're in last right now, and it's not fair, but they have a chance with this. So Christmas Day, Browns fans crossing their fingers. Hopefully it'll go well. It always does. All right, Indianapolis at Arizona. So Indianapolis definitely coming out. Big Saturday game last week, so now they're going to do another Saturday here. Um Kyler Murray, you know, hasn't been his MVP self, uh, but this the Colts' strategy of just running the ball twenty nine times to Jonathan Taylor, I don't know if that's going to be quite the same against Kyler Murray as it was against uh, Dink and Dunk Mac Jones. And remember, they needed a blocked punt touchdown. So for all the success that the running game gets, uh, remember one of their scores, and they didn't score that many points, was a special teams touchdown. And in a season of chaos, the Colts have been kind of the one predictable thing. The one thing that everyone predicted, the season would start off murky. They have injuries on the offensive line. They needed Wentz and Frank Reich to, to gel together because Wentz was out for a lot of training camp. And they knew, we, we all knew the Colts would start slow and get better as the season went on. And that's exactly what has happened, that they were a really talented team that had a lot of potential, and they have done that. Um, they would be even better if they had won that Ravens game that Lamar did the, the comeback to that we thought they were going to win on Monday Night Football. I think that was week five. Uh, and then if they had beaten the Buccaneers in week 12, which they were very close to doing, we'd all be screaming about the Colts. But, you know, both of those games, both those losses defined by Wentz turnovers, Something he's avoided in other games that could come back at any time, any time to bite the Colts. Um, Arizona is coming off just one of the worst losses of the year. That Detroit loss, it's it's kind of a laughing stock because it's a team that has technically done nothing. The Cardinals, you haven't done anything yet. So to get caught looking past your opponent, not showing up, the announcers are calling them flat. The announcers are saying they didn't match the energy. This like 80 times they're talking about what happened today is the Cardinals didn't um, didn't come with the same fight that the Lions did. And the reason the announcers were talking about it so much is because they had to because the game was a blowout because the Lions had already handled the Cardinals so comfortably that the announcers had like 15 game time minutes to talk about how bad the Cardinals were at the beginning of the game. They're flat. They didn't match your energy. So that's not a good sign. Um, but I think they bounce back. That type of stuff reverberates through a locker room. And I think Arizona has shown enough to show that they do have a lot of talent on the team. That was a spark. And I think Arizona wins this game. All right. Moving to Boxing Day, day after Christmas, which, as I understand, is a, a, a holiday about the servants in England. I guess I don't understand it, but 
in some way, England, the day after Christmas, the servants have boxes, or at least used to, and now it's a day that they give boxes to each other. You know, I don't know. This is not a meticulously researched part of the podcast. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Bengals and Ravens tied 8-6 and six atop the AFC North. In week seven, the Bengals crushed the Ravens, 41-17. to That was one of Jamar Chase's dominant performances in the first half of the season. It was also a moment that we said, oh, okay, Joe Burrow is going to be fine with this whole blitzing thing because the Ravens blitzed the hell out of Joe Burrow in 2020 and confused him. They beat him that way. And then now we saw Joe Burrow just have a field day against the Blitz, uh, specifically against the Ravens. And in fact, he's actually been one of the league's best against the the Blitz this year. And that's what the Ravens defense does best is blitzing. So it'll be interesting to see if they give him or if uh, if the Ravens give Burrow the Mahomes treatment where they back off. They say, hey, this is what we do, but we're not going to do it this game because you've shown you can beat it. Uh, or if they try and blitz them again and they go hard at it. Um, this is important for the Bengals. This is a huge day for the city of Cincinnati. And Zach Taylor said to the press, time is running out, which I honestly find is a nice breather from the usual <laughs> coach speak of, we just take it one week at a time. Just prepare for our opponent. Doesn't matter who our opponent is. No, no. Time is running out. The Bengals have flirted with the AFC North crown and they've tripped and they've fallen a number of times this season. There's no more time. They have to do it now. They got to win. They got to beat the Ravens a second time. The Ravens are in a stumble. They lost two in a row. They need to get into this comfortable position. And if they a face first loss here to the Ravens would be really bad, especially since Cincinnati plays Kansas city next week in week 17. So it's not like they have a, they have a, 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 a win, you know, on the schedule that they're penciling in. So will the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. That's the, that's the Baltimore side here. And it's unclear. He did not practice Wednesday. Uh, Tyler Huntley has filled in well, but can he keep filling in well? So it's a, it's, it's still a really question mark for Baltimore here. Lamar Jackson, playing through an injury perhaps which we haven't seen him do much tyler huntley as a as a backup that's doing well how long can he sustain that success there's often a shelf life um elsewhere the ravens just banged up we know about all their injuries uh that they've lost for the season they've got more guys now hurt uh, and they're one of many teams dealing with the COVID 19 you know putting its finger on the scales uh, they, I think they have 15 players out right now. That number could be wildly accurate, inaccurate by the time that this uh, this goes out because every day it uh, it obviously changes. Um, and I mean, any player could go on at one time. So Cincinnati is two and a half favored by two and a half, and I'll take that happily because I think the Ravens are depleted. Cincinnati is doing okay. Uh, Joe Burrow said nowhere to go in Cincinnati in terms of, of catching COVID. So the roster should be, should be, uh, available. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Baltimore at Cincinnati. I will take the Bengals. by the way, it is in Cincinnati, which is even more reason to do it. Um, whether Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley as a quarterback, I take the Bengals. All right. Last game. And really the game of the week, unfortunately placed at a 10 AM Sunday slot, but is the Buffalo bills at the New England Patriots. Maybe they put it at maybe they put it at 10 a.m. Sunday just by habit. 
you know, Patriots Bills feels like a 10 a.m. Sunday game. Usually one of those games that the red zone doesn't go to that much, you know, because the Patriots, they were one of the worst teams in the NFL when the when the Bills were going to four Super Bowls in a row in the early 90s. You know, the Bills were one of the best teams in the NFL. Patriots had like the number one pick one of those years. They were bad. So they weren't competitive at that time. And then for the whole Brady Belichick dynasty, the Bills have been terrible. I mean, literally all 19 years, uh, the Bills were terrible. So a true Bills-Patriots strength-on-strength rivalry doesn't come that often. Uh, So that is why the schedulers put them at 10 a.m. Sunday. (laughs) Uh, The game's in New England. You're going to hear a lot of the wind game stats. Throw those out the window. I don't want to hear about, oh, the Patriots, they just are just going to try to run the ball down the Bills. They only they only tried to pass the ball three times with Mac Jones. The Patriots won by running the ball because we can't remember the wind. You know, if there's no wind in that game and the Patriots try to do that strategy, which they wouldn't, Bill Belichick's way smarter than that, but I'm referring to the people who say that the Patriots need to win the game by running the ball that much. If that played out without the wind, the Bills easily win that game in the fourth quarter if Josh Jallen is not throwing into 50-mile-per-hour wins. The Patriots dominated on the ground. They had some of the best ground game success of the year, probably the best that you can do with a run game. They got 14 points. And then for 12 minutes of the fourth quarter, the offense watched helplessly on the sideline, hoping their defense in the wind could stop Josh Allen from a touchdown. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, boy, they relied on the run and they just got it. That man, it's so hard to defeat the run. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pure sound strategy that they should go everywhere. They got 14 points and were sitting on the sideline with their hands in warmers, watching their defense, hopefully, hopefully win with the wind at its back. All of that is to say, I throw out all the stats. I throw out the wind game. And now this is the most important game for the Buffalo Bills. I, I, I talked in the week 13 summary podcast about how McDermott and the Bills, especially on defense, Micah Hyde and all that stuff, they got angry in the press conferences. But they were, they were angry and they were pissed and they were pouting and they were throwing fits before the game really even got going. First quarter, second quarter, they, they knew they were going to lose. They were upset. They were acting like losers from the beginning. That's my TV psychiatrist opinion because they continue to struggle with the Patriots on their mind is my TV uh, psychiatrist uh, degree uh, is in the mail. Um, Mac Jones is doing okay. You know, the Patriots, uh, uh, Mac Jones season has been very interesting. It's, it's, it's it's just so funny that we're like back in time. It feels like it's 2001. We got this quarterback who we don't know about, but Bill Belichick's making it happen with a roster uh, that just seems solid all around. They're playing smart football, quote unquote, smart football. I mean, Joe, Mac Jones is doing pretty well. He's pretty polarizing. He's getting more credit than he deserves in some places and then getting absolutely no credit. Uh, as always, the answer is somewhere in the middle. I mean, they did have a seven game winning streak before losing to the Colts on Saturday Night Football. And a big part of that was a blocked punt touchdown, as I said. So it goes the other way, too. Like, the Patriots, you know, they're not always going to have a blocked punt touchdown to overcome. And some brutal interceptions. <laughs> Mac Jones did a good job driving them back into that game. 
So I, you know, I think he's got the he's got the talent to keep up with Josh Allen in the in this uh, this battle in Foxborough. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. It'd be hilarious. If it was really windy again, <laughs> uh, but got to avoid the mistakes. Got to avoid those those red zone interceptions like he did in the Colts. Patriots are barely favored. They're favored by one and a half, and I will take the Patriots to win this game for one simple but sad reason. Because life is not fair. Sorry, Buffalo. The Patriots are back, and you only had one year. <laughs> All right. Follow us at MUK football, at MUK underscore football on Twitter. Subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Miles, and we will see you for week 16 review Monday night. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.